Welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, designed to bring out the best in you and your organization. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach on a mission to create a culture where business is the true balance of head and heart. I work with leaders and companies on how to leverage my brand of kindness to gain powerful results. And I'm Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you shift conversations to identify what works and find ways to build on that success with people, planet, and profit in mind. The Doing Good Business Podcast is the place to learn about transformational leadership qualities and purpose-driven business practices that are essential to success in today's modern market. You can make the world a better place through business, and the business case for that starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Doing Good Business. Kelly and I are laughing already. We are so excited to bring you today's guest. He is just the person that we all need in our life right now. Without further ado, Jeff Harry, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for being here. And tell us a little bit about who you are in the world. (laughs) He's the best. He has a colorful bow tie, not that y'all can see it. (laughs) Hi. Yes. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. So my name is Jeff Harry. I run an organization called Rediscover Your Play, where I help a lot of teams at uh, Fortune 500 companies navigate difficult conversations using play and uh, when and using play as well as positive psychology. When I'm not doing that, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs to help them using positive psychology and play to navigate like this crazy uncertain time that we're in. Mm. So I will say that play and joy have been edges for me in this pandemic. Speaking personally, this is Laura. I'm like, I sometimes don't know what that means anymore. Like what is fun, kind of unclear. And I also like, I spend my days working with leaders and companies. So I know that play and leadership, not often walking down the street hand in hand. So, so tell me how you're changing that. Tell me how you're showing, you know, stodgy and maybe not stodgy, but you know, like leadership is changing and how are you playing a part in that and making play a part of it? Yeah. So I think we should start by just simply defining what play is, or at least my interpretation of what play is. And I believe play is any joyful act where you are fully present in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Where there is no result, there is no purpose. You don't have regrets about the past. You don't have anxiety about the future. You are fully like in the moment right? You forget about time. And in the working world, that's referred to as flow. Uh, Marcus Buckingham refers to it as red thread work. Gay Hendricks refers to it as your zone of genius. You have your zone of incompetence, things you're bad at, zone of competence, things you're average at, zone of excellence with most of what we do, things that we're really good at. We like the praise, but we don't really care either way of of doing it. And then your zone of genius, the, the work where if you weren't getting paid, you would still do this work, right? Right. So as leaders, if you can help your staff find their flow work, if there's one thing that your leaders can take from this call, it's just like, go to your staff right now or right after this and ask them, what is the work that you love to do most? What is the work Mm -hmm. where you forget about time? Oh, you know, let's look at your day. What percentage of time do you spend doing that work? 10%? You only spend 10% of your time connecting with clients when you love to do that. How can we increase that to 15%? Because studies have shown when you do that flow work, it actually has a ripple effect on the productivity of all of your other work, as well as it boosts productivity and morale and morale. And the other thing that I say to a lot of leaders is, 
from Steven Johnson, the future is where people are having the most fun. Hmm. Where are the places people are having the most fun right now? TikTok, Clubhouse, Hulu, <laughs> Disney Plus, Netflix. Like these places are thriving because they're willing to play. They're willing to be adaptable. They're willing to be resilient. And if you're not willing to play in this uncertainty, you will become the next blockbuster. Oh, no one wants that. <laughs> you're going to be that blockbuster in Alaska, that last one. <laughs> So this is Kelly, Jeff. I, I, I'm with you in everything you say. Plus, I love positive psychology. And uh, the work that I do is rooted in appreciative inquiry, which has elements of positive psychology in it, right? So we're there. We're on the same page. So what are some of the, I'm going to call them symptoms, since you are the doctor of mischief, right? What are some of the symptoms that indicate play is the prescription for an organization? Well, I think it first starts with psychological safety, right? Mm -hmm. they, they've done many studies that find the top teams, especially at places like Google, where there's psychological safety, people are more likely to share with one another. People are more likely to speak up. There's, you know, what is it right now? I think 50% of employees right now do not feel they can speak up at work mm. at Fortune 500 companies. So we have to look at like, what is the psychological safety of your team and your organization right now? And play is, is actually the answer after you start doing some of the work before play to create that safe space, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and if you need more examples of why, how play can actually make an impact, look at Google's 20% program. They give their staff a fifth of their time to pursue what they want to do as long as it helps out the business. And what has come from the Google 20% program? Gmail, AdSense, which pays for huh. all their stuff, Google Meet. I mean, this is them allowing them to play. Now, your business can't probably give a fifth of their time to their staff, but if you can find 5% more time to give your staff to pursue the things that they actually makes them come alive, right? that could dramatically affect the, the morale as well as bring in or help out the bottom line of your business. So I, I'm on board. If I wasn't already buying what you're selling, I'm clearly... <laughs> I'm clearly buying it now. And I want to take it a step further. So obviously on all of our minds and something Kelly and I have been talking about in every episode this year is equity and inclusion in leadership, in the workplace and the importance. So allow me to take the play question a step further. How does it positively impact the the much needed reconciliation of equity and inclusion in the workplace? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and actually, let me answer that question while also adding on to the question that Kelly answered, because I want to make sure I answer it fully, is like forced fun. I don't believe in forced fun. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Amen. I, thank you. Thank you. I, mm -hmm. I did team building for 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. right? Like that's why I do the work that I do now because like, you know, at the same time they would talk about creativity, collaboration and connection, all the C words, they wouldn't be addressing the A word, the toxic person in the room. And I was like, yo, we right. need to address that. That's the workshop I'm actually running right after this, dealing with toxic people at work through play, right? Ooh, right. And, then, right. and then that actually ties in with another workshop that I just ran last year for the the HR virtual summit, which was how to not be racist at work. Oh, thank you. Thank By you. By accident. How to not be racist at work 
by accident. And the reason why I say we said that, my, my friend Tashaun and I, when we put together this workshop, was like, we know people aren't trying to do it. We, we know most people aren't coming from a right. place of malice, but usually just a place of ignorance, right? Mm-hmm. So when we even ran our workshop, the way we used play was we would role play with each other and show people what the, a situation we had actually gone through and then how we actually felt. So we, we put people in our own shoes and the more you're able to like role play with people and feel empathy, not just sympathy as Brene Brown says, but empathy and, and put yourself in, in their shoes where like, when have I felt like I'm the only person? When have I felt like I've been like dismissed? My ideas have been dismissed. When have I felt like, you know, I feel like I'm being discriminated against based off of my gender or my race. Like when, when you start to ask people that they're like, Oh, Either I've never felt that way or, and if I, if, if I say I've never felt that way, please tell me what that's like, or I can, I can connect it to something else that I've gone through because it's all about really showing up with a full level of empathy, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of the Starbucks two hour, you know, me training <laughs> that we're doing, we, we actually have to start to have hard conversations. My uh, friend Eric Bailey wrote a book called Cure for Stupidity. And in it, he says, you can't both go into a conversation wanting to be right and wanting to understand. You either shift, you got to choose one or the other, Mm -hmm. right? And recently I had, I, I tested my own theories by having a conversation with someone that was on the far right and I'm more on the left, right? Mm-hmm. And we had it on our YouTube channel, you know, in front of our hundred thousand or so, you know, people. And it was a three hour conversation, a three hour conversation of me constantly telling myself, am I trying to be right right now to feel like, you know, I'm winning or am I trying to understand? And it was really difficult, but I learned a lot that a lot of the pain and suffering that she was feeling, I'm feeling the exact same way, but just in a different, like just on the opposite side of the same coin. Wow, that's fascinating. This is Kelly, and we keep saying who we are because sometimes we get told we sound alike. So <laughs> it's not that we like to announce ourselves like walking into a room like that, but this is Kelly. <laughs> and so that makes me think it's something that I think there are lots of things we have to practice. We preach, right? And we have to practice what we preach. And that made me curious what you were saying there is then who is it that brings you into the organization? Is it really the leadership that does that? And and so it's a two for question. And are they willing to really practice the work? Whoever brings you in, you know. Well, but- it's interesting. Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Right. Right. Sometimes- okay. Sometimes Fair enough. HR leader that's like, there's a really big issue with this team. Can you handle it? You know, <laughs> right. and there's no, there's no, that this, this I approach has not been bought in by leadership. Right. So what a lot of times we do is we do multiple conversations beforehand to be like, is right. this what you actually want to do? I learned that doing so many team building events over the years and, and realizing that people don't communicate with each other, even when they're on the same team, right. bringing in someone, you know, to facilitate this conversation. So a lot of times it's like, yeah, do you actually believe in this? Because I've, I've been given much lip service before, you know, mm-hmm. being like, oh yeah, we definitely want to have hard conversations. And I'm like, when's the last hard conversation you had? And someone's like, oh, well, you know, let's not talk about that. But, you know, I will bring up the fact that my administrative assistant feels this way. So like, you know, 
I really love to call people on their BS because I like to call myself on it as well, Mm -hmm. because we can't do anything else. We can't build a foundation of trust if like Mm -hmm. we are not actually being open, you know, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of companies that are like, I want you to show up. Wait, what'd you say? As a go figure, right? We can't actually build trust if we're not actually being open. Right, right. And there's so many, there's so many companies that say, I want you to show up as your full self. And just like, well, what do you mean by that? Right. You right. actually want me to show up as my <laughs> full self? Like, let's, I mean, and we have to look at like people that were doing it right or have been doing it right. Like Tony Shea and Zappos, you know, before, mm-hmm. you know, he died. Like, yeah. like he would pay people three grand to leave. Right. He was willing to put money behind it because he was like, if you're not bought into the culture where I put my employees first, even before my customers, that's, mm-hmm. it's cool. I, I have no offense. Here's $3,000. You got, you're good to go. Right. So people need to actually back it up with action and leaders that are listening to this have to question, ask themselves, am I creating a psychologically safe workspace? If I am, how many, how many conversations have I actually had on that discussion, right? Mm-hmm. How many conversations have I actually had about dealing with a toxic person at work? Like, you know, how many conversations, how many people, how many of my staff do I understand their language of appreciation, right? right. Like how do much, how well do you know your staff? Because especially in this remote environment, when many of them are thinking, do I really want to go back to my job where 85% of people are already disengaged at work before (laughs) COVID happened? You you need to be talking to your staff more, not less. Mm -hmm. Like what you're hearing on the Doing Good Business podcast? Then you'll love working with Laura or Kelly. Visit doinggoodbusiness.com forward slash the host to learn about them and how their services can help you do good business. Agreed. And I love that you're giving them a mechanism and a practice for doing that. I, I forget now exactly how you phrased it, but you know, like companies that say, oh yeah, we want you to bring your full self. Like always, I so my background, original background is in marketing and the marketer and always me in me is always like, really do tell, how do you make that happen? And I think companies that can't answer those questions today are going to be increasingly left behind. Right. So you're giving them a real practice bulletin, astute leaders who are listening to the podcast. Jeff is giving you a real tangible way to help live that in your organization. And, and and here's just a few other suggestions, right? Do you know, do you know the via of your staff? Do you know their languages of appreciation? I mean, let's actually like, you know, oh, mm-hmm. my, my uh, staff likes gifts. All right. Well, bonuses, instead of giving a bonus out at the end of the year, if you spread mm-hmm. it out throughout the year, mm-hmm. higher productivity levels. Oh, you know, acts of service. Do you know what's going on with their family at home? Can you take over on mm-hmm. Friday and give them a chance to you know, spend more time with their family, right? Mm-hmm. You know, words of affirmation. Are you not only giving them praise within the team, but praise outside of the team? So if they ever want to be promoted to another position mm-hmm. or move on to somewhere else, you know, they know that you have their back, right? Like, are you doing those actions? And then the same thing with like meetings, right? Are you wasting their time at meetings? Does a meeting need to be an hour? Can Could it have been an email? Or 17 <laughs> minutes? Or, yeah, or an email? Like how, like why are we doing, you know, one of the best things you can do for a busy person is to not 
busy them more with more meetings mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because you're like wondering about what work they're doing. And then the other thing right. you can ask yourself is what is the work that I'm asking my staff to do, right? Instead of they're doing them doing their flow work, how many of them are doing work to communicate to you how much work they're doing? Right. Like, oh, the amount of reports about like what work I'm doing to do the work instead of just doing the work. That's just a waste of time. So we have to be asking ourselves these questions all the time. Yeah. Love it. So, Jeff, the word that keeps coming to me and and I'm just going to throw it out there and see what you do with it. But I feel like your approach and play in general disarms everyone for all of these more challenging topics. So you think about, uh, you know, overwork and, and overwhelm and burnout, which is the area that I do a lot of work in. You think about the tough conversations that you've mentioned, you know, how do we make it not only psychologically safe, but physically and emotionally safe for people to bring their whole selves to work? Because when Kelly and I talked to Robin Geigel a few months ago, she's a transgender lawyer who has a book coming out. It was not emotionally and probably physically safe for her to be her whole right. self at work for a long time. Like play to me, feels like such a way of disarming everyone's, you know, to quote Brene Brown, their armor, so that maybe we can do this work differently. Is that your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I, I wrote a workshop with my colleague, Lauren Yee, called Dealing with Office Politics, mm. right? And it's all about navigating hard conversations. And we literally bring a scapegoat in, like a <laughs> animal scapegoat. <laughs> I now have this instead. But, you know, and you blame it. You start to blame it for yeah, stuff. Right. Just so you can see, like, how absurd it is that a lot of times we're attacking each other's character mm. instead of just addressing each other's behavior. Because mm-hmm. like we're all in it together, but you know we're really sensitive right yeah. now, mm-hmm. especially right now, right? Mm-hmm. When, when there's so much uncertainty and it, it's really like, it's really scary and you don't know who you can actually lean on. And, and what leaders can do that I feel is like one of the biggest things they, they can do at this time is to just be open, transparent, and honest. And when you don't know, then you you say you don't know instead of like pretending everything's fine while there's like fires all over the place. Mm-hmm. I just exhaled. Thank you for that. Because really like that to me is, and I'm sitting here on my desk looking at Adam Grant's new book, Think Again. And it's really like, it's okay to not know. <laughs> if we're not learning, why are we getting out of bed? <laughs> right. Right. And I will say this also, if, if 2020 taught you anything, it taught me that no one knows what they're doing. We don't know. We're all Jack, just right. up and we go along. <laughs> yeah, I saw Brene Brown and Simon Sinek and, you know, uh, Mel Robbins and all the thought leaders. They didn't know what they were doing either. Like okay. they were scrambling just like everybody else. So like knowing that you are more the expert of yourself than anybody else. So mm-hmm. that is both scary and empowering because you'd be like, well, what do I want? How do I want to show up to work? What's the work that I forget about time with, mm-hmm. right? I always love asking people, what is the work you would do even if you knew you would fail at? It? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because I saw when Toronto Burke was speaking from the Me Too movement mm-hmm. and she was speaking on stage in like Wisdom 2.0. And she was like, look, I, I know you're taking me to the Academy Awards and the Emmys and, you know, all these places, all this glitz and glamour. But, you know, if you took this all away from me <clears throat> tomorrow, I'm still in love with the work. Like mm-hmm. I'm still I I would be doing this in church basements and recreation centers regardless. So you right. can't take it away from me because this is the work that I believe I was made for. So when you are operating from that standpoint, where you're willing to do work, even if you know you may fail, then you, you know, it's almost like there's no way you're, you're not going to succeed mm-hmm. because right. you're fully into it. 
good point. My instinct is to kind of come full circle and, you know, reflect back to where I started, which was I, fun has been really challenging in the last year. And mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> you share a funny story with us, Jeff. Like what is <laughs> the funniest experience you've had doing play work in, uh, in organizations? Because I, I think we could all use a laugh. I was once running uh, an event for somebody. This is when I was, you know, doing a lot of stuff around Lego. And we were at a winery with this like company, this biomedical company, uh, very famous biomedical company. And the and we were they were all building together and they were having a really good time. And then at one point the CEO was like, whoa, 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 or the team leader was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know what I'm doing. Everyone back up, back up. I know what I'm doing. Oh. Right. <laughs> and everyone being that they're at a winery, they were like, that's fine. We'll just grab some wine and just start drinking. So they're all drinking while this guy is building all by himself. And then afterwards, during the debrief, we're like, what happened during that time? What, what, what was going on? And, and I was like, why did you feel you needed to do it by yourself? And he was like, well, the reason why is because I have a lot of experience playing with Lego. You know, <laughs> you know, just, and then everyone looked at each other. Was like, and I'm like, this is it. This is it right here. This yep, is right. your problem. So, like, what's interesting about play and role playing, and huh. and the reason, like, in a lot of the play workshops that I run, we do a lot of role playing because it's about it's about practice. Mm-hmm. It's about realizing that this is not a hard conversation to have mm. as right. long as you start to practice it. And if you think about football, they practice all week for a three hour game. In Mm -hmm. work, you never get to practice anything. You don't get to practice managing, leading, you know, recruiting. Like none of the things you get to practice because you're just thrown into it and being like, figure it out. Now you're a leader. Figure it out. Now have a hard conversation. Like, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you do a training once in a while, but you don't get like reps. And that's really what we need to do in order to have hard conversations. You have to practice sitting in the awkward situations and, and feeling that it's not that bad and the world will not come to an end, mm-hmm. even if you make a mistake having a hard conversation. I think that's part of it right there is, is to just, you know, kind of, you know, words matter, right? And and when we go into it thinking it's going to be a hard conversation, chances are it could be a very hard conversation. But when yep. you go into it feeling confident that you have the right tools you've practiced a little, hey, you can even practice with your internal dialogue, there's a good place to start, right? And then after you've done that, then you're you're moving toward a conversation that's meaningful, productive, you know, what Laura knows, you know, with work, I do a conversation worth having. Yeah. And so that's really what we're trying to get to. But we've been so barraged with these messages that it's going to have to be tough because isn't yep. that really where we prove our metal? You know, yep. no. yep. <laughs> maybe in 1987, but not today. You right. Know? Like it's all about grit. And, mm-hmm. and here's the thing. My take on it is people are already playing at work. Right. They're playing a role that they don't like to play. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretending to be someone that they're not. They're right. pretending to know stuff that they don't. You know, they're wearing costumes and, and yeah. being like, hey, I know what's happening when they don't, you know. Right. So we're already playing a role. So my question is, is like, why don't you play a role that you actually want to play? Yeah. You know, why don't you decide to be, show up, maybe not as your full self, but as much as you can, mm-hmm. right? Right, right. You know, and, and really actually see how that, you know, has an impact on, on everybody else. 
I love this. And and I have to ask you, what drew you to this work? Because I'm not sure that you went on to Indeed and found, oh, play consultant. Right, 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 right. So, <laughs> so the short, short story is I saw the movie Big as a Kid. Uh-huh. And then I, and in that movie, he plays with toys for a living. So I was inspired to write toy companies right okay. after that. So I started writing toy companies in third grade all the way through high school, all the way to wow, college until I, I got this. in the toy industry. And then I got exactly what I wanted. And I don't know if you've ever gotten exactly what you wanted and been so disappointed when you get there, yeah. right? But like no pl- no fun, no play, no high fives, no toys. Aww, right. Like cubicle walls, carpet on the walls. Why are they padding the walls? Really? Yeah, <laughs> so, so I leave New York because I went to school in Boston and then Went to New York, left New York, came to the San Francisco Bay Area, bumped into an organization that was teaching kids engineering with Lego. They were basically playing for a living. Hmm. And I stuck with them because they were playing and we grew it into the largest Lego-inspired STEM organization in the U.S. Over the next like 15 years, we taught like a million kids, 100,000 kids a year. And then I got Mm -hmm. the attention of Silicon Valley or the, the comp we did. And they asked right. us to do team building events. And that's when I started working with companies. And then oh, I did that for the next 10 years, like Facebook, Google, Adobe, mm-hmm. all those companies that claimed that they wanted disruption and risk taking yeah. and all the things that are on the, on the, on the on wall. On their values, right. <laughs> but, but they weren't doing it. Even at these amazing companies there still was a lot of room where there was mm-hmm. no play. And mm-hmm. when I refer to play, you know, a theory I recently came to is like the opposite of play is perfection. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and that hits fact, home. Yes, it does. <laughs> Maybe that's right. why I can't find joy, Jeff. <laughs> and, and think about it. Perfection is rooted in shame. True yeah. story. Oh. If you want to think of your company Ask right now, how much of your day or your team's day is spent experimenting? How much of your team's day is driven by experimentation and play? Mm-hmm. And how much of your team's actions are driven by shame, right? right when we're, right. when when it's a startup in a garage like Google and Facebook, all experimentation, yep. right? right? But right. as they got bigger, you know, and we're like, oh, we might lose something. Mm-hmm. Then it became very much about like, shame. We got to do it this way and it's got to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, So we have to ask ourselves as team leaders, how much experimentation am I bringing to my team and how much shame am I bringing to right. my team to drive them? Mm. That's poignant. Thank you, Jeff. That's amazing. And that is the perfect thought to, to really wind down on. And, and I want to ask Jeff, what are you excited about? What's coming up? What do you want to share with our folks? You know, what, what's happening for you this year that you want to leave us with? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> Anything fun well, happening? Literally right after this, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I can swear on this. Podcast. Oh, yeah. Have at it. Okay, great. So I'm running at a workshop like in 20 minutes for mm-hmm. a community of seven called Dealing with A-Holes at Work Through Play. Nice. nice. There you go. colleague Gary Ware. And talk about play, right? Uh-huh. Like, so, you know, t- maybe two years ago, we came up with this workshop while having bur- breakfast burritos in San Diego, and <laughs> like giggling about it. Like, wouldn't it be hilarious if we made a workshop about eradicating a-holes from the workplace? Like, it would just be <laughs> hilarious, right? And then we tested it out at a, at a conference and they really liked it. So we were like, why don't we just apply to the top conferences in the world? But no one's going to say yes to any of this, right? And then 
Inbound, the largest marketing conference in the world, yeah. I guess. I didn't wow. even know what it was. And Jay Gary was like, it's inbound. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then <laughs> South by Southwest said <gasps> yes. And then wow. Australia because of this workshop. And then we wow. won awards as the top 100 HR influencers of 2020 from like multiple organizations. And we were like, what is happening? We just wanted to play right. and create this workshop that we thought is really important in the world. And this is what happens. And this is what can happen when you allow yourself to actually follow your joy, right? Mm -hmm. And a a great example that I would give, you know, and Kelly, you might appreciate this, um, (laughs) is about Clubhouse. (laughs) (laughs) I feel so alone. Android Kelly. (laughs) Here's what happened on Clubhouse, right? So there was this guy named Axel Mansour who... When, you know, at the beginning of going on Clubhouse, there's a lot of rooms, huge mm-hmm. rooms with like a thousand people in them, you know, run by, you know, run by Lewis Howes and, you know, Kevin Hart and all these celebrities. And he just didn't feel really good in any of these rooms. He didn't feel like he belonged anywhere. Right. And he was like, do I even want to be on this? I'm a musician. You know, this is just what I do. So then he was like, you know what? I'm just going to, the only time I'm going to go on Clubhouse is to make a room called the Lullaby Room that I'm going to open up at 10 p.m., you know, Eastern Standard Time. And I'm just going to play lullaby music. And anyone that needs help falling asleep, you know, they can just come to my room. It became the most popular room on Clubhouse. Wow. He started this a month ago. And now he is the icon on the app. His face oh, wow. is now the oh, new icon. Oh, my. Oh, so like, yeah. Really great example of pursuing yeah. your joy and yeah. something happens. So, you know, even for your team leaders, helping your staff to focus more on their flow work, the work that they forget about time, the whole Howard Thurman quote of like, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive. Right. Because what the world needs is for more people to come, to alive. come alive. Help them find that alive work, right? Mm-hmm. That red thread work. And it will do wonders to create a psychologically safe space because you're communicating to your staff that like, I see you. Mm-hmm. I see you as a human being, not just as another cog in the machine. And mm-hmm. I actually really care about you while I also really care about the organization. Amazing. Well, amazing, we can't amazing, ask amazing. for more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I had met you earlier in my professional career. <laughs> I know, I know. So Jeff, we'll link to everything in our show notes for folks, but real quick for our, our auditory learners, where can people find you on the great wide interwebs? Absolutely. So simply go to rediscoveryourplay.com. That's easy. Uh, when you get there, hit up, hit the let's play button. I have a bunch of play exercises you can do at your work. Yes. And then you can hop on a call with me and we can figure out how to either eradicate a-holes from the workplace, <laughs> address your inner critic through play, or just find a way to get your staff in flow all using positive psychology and play. Amazing. Jeff Love Harry, it. thank you so much for thank being you. with us. Thank Have you. Have a great thank workshop. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business. We hope you'll tune in regularly, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and most importantly, tell a friend or a few. It's how we can build the critical mass to make the world a better place through business. 
The Doing Good Business Podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business. Learn how you can work with us at doinggoodbusiness.com slash the hosts. Let us know what you like about the podcast and what else you'd like to hear about through our online form on the contact page of doinggoodbusiness.com. We'll see you next time.